I've, I've got some information. I've got some information from you from the shipping container. Some dude on Twitter says he's going to LA. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's it. That's some dude who apparently is close to LeBron is tweeting people, telling them, "Trophy time! Get ready!" To all the people in LA, tweet Kyle Kuzma. You tweet a carry champion. You know all the Laker luminaries. Right. But who is this dude? Like I have dudes. To, you know they're tweeting me that he's coming to Miami. So. He's, he's some dude. He's he's no inferno. Let me put it that way. He's no inferno. No, he's okay. just some dude need to pump up my main man cuffs. First of all, we like on this show and in life, I like to buy value stocks, buy them low before they pop, right? You like to buy low, sell high. I told you guys about Cuffs the Legend a while back. He's been uh, out there, you know, Kevin Durant's in his Instagram mentions. Uh, He's friendly with LeBron. He's gotten in with the NBA players. I'm just telling you guys, you want to buy an early NBA stock. This guy is funny. He's interesting. He's plugged in. You've got to kind of read between the lines as to what he's saying on some stuff. Our next guest is an NBA analyst, a basketball trainer, and a social media influencer. He goes by the name of Cuffs, the legend. And you can follow him on Twitter right there. At Cuffs, C-U-F-F-S, The Legend. I was so mad last night. You ever been watching the game, bro? Like, you ever been watching the game, right? You watching the game, and it starts out well. Like, the Lakers started out well. Like, LeBron came out. Russ came out. And I was like, okay. I already, I already told everybody out there in Twitter land. I said, yo, the Lakers about to win the next five. It's about to be a five-game winning streak. And I'm going to call all your mothers individually, right? I'm going to call everybody's mom individually, one by one, and let you motherfuckers know the Lake Show is back, right? So I was hyped last night, B. Like, they stink so bad right now. It's like they straight up autopsy juice right now. Like, they they, they smell like zoo dirt right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, they terrible. So... They're so bad right now that it's like you want to see the train wreck in a weird way. Like you want to see, like, I don't want them to keep losing. So I'm thinking to myself, like, when is the game going to come where they actually turn on the fucking switch? Like, you know, you always hear about the switch. Like, we always hear about the switch that, you know, you can't turn the switch on and some teams can. So last night, bro, I'm at the crib. I'm excited. You know, I got dinner in the kitchen. I got me some cookies in the oven. I'm ready, bro. <laughs> I don't bake like eight cookies. I'm good. We about to have a good game tonight. The Lakers going to win. I'm going to talk my shit. As I do, some dude, I'm going to talk my shit. We back, baby. So the game started good. It started pretty good, back and forth. And then, as we've seen for like the last, well, almost the whole season, it's like, here comes the jig, bro. Like, here comes the fucking jig. Like, the jig was coming. Like, we heard the jig, right? <laughs> like, we heard the jig. <laughs> that motherfucker started hovering in the second corner, Barney. And I'm sitting there like, bro, here we go a fucking game, man. The third quarter felt like the longest stretch of basketball I've ever seen. Just because it felt like the Lakers were just trying to dig and dig and dig out of this hole. And it just felt like never ending. Never yeah. fucking ended. So I go to sleep last night and I'm not even mad. I don't get mad. So I'm not like one of these. I'm not one of these basketball fans who gets mad. You know, like they watch the game and they got blood vessels popping out their head. I'm not that type of basketball fan for everybody out there listening to the Some Do Show. I am not that guy. 
Like, I don't sit there and get stressed out. Now, there has been times in the NBA Finals, you know, in the playoffs, the Miami Heat days, like, I felt like my hairline was getting pushed back watching them games, man. I was fucking stressed out and, you know, just, just, just rattled. You know what I'm saying? But, like, now, I'm an OG in this shit, man. Like, I done seen all the playoff battles. I done seen all the finals battles. Like, I'm over 10 years plus in this shit. I'm, I'm in the game, bro. So now, I'm just enjoying the greatness. LeBron in year 19, bro. Like, he in year 19 doing this shit. And people are still talking like they still talking like as if he's supposed to carry the fucking team. Like we never seen a superstar in year 19 being the top three in scoring in the league, right? Top three in scoring in the league at 37 years old. That's fucking crazy. But the fans are ungrateful. Like the Laker fans are being so smug and bougie, bro. Like you a Laker fan, right? B. Of course. So since the beginning, since the beginning. So like, I know you a Kobe fan. Kobe is your favorite player. Me and you went to China. We was on the great wall of China and you had on the Kobe Bryant shirt. bro. <laughs> and you had the bronze shirt on. I had the fucking bronze shirt on. You had the Kobe shirt on and we on great wall of China. We on the great wall of fucking China, <laughs> but we was on the great wall all because of what we love the fucking game, bro. That's, that's crazy what, conversations. Man. Crazy conversations. Like, that's what connected us. Like, I didn't know you from a man on the moon, like, what, seven years ago? Yeah, I know. And now, like, we are homeboys. We about to do all type of business together. But it's like, bro, we don't, <laughs> we've been to China twice. Weeks. For weeks. For three weeks. For a whole week. I've spent a month of man. my life. I've spent one full calendar month in China, bro. How many people can say that, bro? Especially from where we're from. We from North Carolina. Like, I haven't even spent a whole week in Charlotte, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I never stayed in Charlotte longer than like two, three days, go to the game down there, you know, come back home. We might go to the beach for like a week, you know, but it's like, bro, China for a whole month? That's something I'll never forget. Never forget. Like, it's the like funny shit. Like, tell, give me a story. What's one of the funniest stories? For my time in China, Barney. The fact that you couldn't try any Chinese food out there. <laughs> Yo, what was I eating every Yo, day? What was I I'm eating? I am shocked that we we came out as healthy as we did. Bro, listen, my my blood pressure had to be like crazy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm out there in the middle of the trenches in Beijing, China. And I'm eating like Lincoln McDonald's into our McDonald's. hotel. We are <laughs> we're not even supposed to be out this time of night, and we coming in the hotel with fish fillets, double fish fillets. Man. The game of basketball put us there, bro. That's crazy, right? Yeah. The game of basketball had two guys from North Carolina in China for weeks at a time, teaching kids the game, showing kids the game, the American style of basketball. And we are fans of two different players. You a Kobe Bryant fan. I'm a LeBron James fan. You don't hardly ever see this in America where a Kobe Bryant fan is friends with a LeBron fan. Why not? Why, what's what's wrong, man? You know what's crazy, too? D-Wade was in China during that time. Yep. Yeah, we almost ran into him. We was at the leading, uh, the leading store. Small world, man. Small world. And I'm, t and you know. I say this is some do show, so I talk my shit. You know, I drop a lot of names because I know a lot of motherfuckers. So 
We are in China, in Beijing, walking around. We eating pizza. And next thing we know, we walking up. Me and my guy Barney are walking up. Let me mute you, Mike. Let me mute you a little bit. So me and my guy Barney are walking up in Beijing. And we see this large crowd, like a large wave of people. And we like, holy shit, what's going on? It's like pandemonium out here. Like the shit you always see on YouTube when like an American basketball player comes to China or Asia or certain parts of Asia, you see like, oh my God, look at the fanfare. We saw that shit in real life. It was like a superhero. So I didn't know who it was. So I you know we peeked inside the window and we saw like the D-Wade stuff everywhere. And it was like, yo, D-Wade, it's D-Wade here. I had no idea that D-Wade was in Beijing, China the same time I was. So I sent him a message, you know, Cause I'm some dude, you know, I sent him a message like, yo, brother, you at the, uh, are you having like an in-store appearance or something at, uh, you know, in Beijing? And he was like, yeah, I'm on the way there now. I'm from the hotel. I was like, bro, this wild. Like I'm really out here. <laughs> and, he, and D like, yo, you really out here. I'm like, bro, I'm in China. <laughs> like I'm out here. But the crowd was like so crazy. So we couldn't really get to where he was at. But it's like, I swear it was like 10,000 people. How many people you think was on that street, Barney? My God, man. Just seas of people. Waves of people. Waves of people. (laughs) Tell them about, tell them, tell the people out there that's listening to the Some Dude Show. See, I I wanted to do something new on my show, man. Like, I wanted to do something new to where I just called different friends of mine out the blue, totally random, and talk that shit, whether it's basketball talk, whether it's life. Just tell stories and have conversation. Like me and this guy, like I said earlier, we went to fucking China on some basketball shit and we end up having a lifelong friendship off of that shit. So I call this right here the family and friends section. That's what I'm going to call it. So if I reach out to a family or a friend, they're a special place. Like they're in a special place in my life. So it's like they get those seats right there. You know, when we start going to these different NBA arenas, my boy Barney, he going to be right there. We right there in the family and friends section. We not in the nosebleeds, my guy. You know, some of y'all, y'all in the nosebleeds right now because you didn't know how to play your position. You know, you was either hating or you was envious or you or you were just a flat out weird person. So we put y'all people, it's like that. We put y'all in the fucking nosebleeds. We put them in the nosebleeds, Barney. <laughs> they can't sit, they can't sit with us. They can't sit with us, right? So tell me a little bit about some of your relationships with certain people and some of the stuff you got going on over in China. Yeah, so I started a business in China recently uh called Monarch where we're helping, you know, different celebrities build their brands on uh social media platforms out in China. We figured there was a huge opportunity and window here especially because you have millions of NBA fans, probably a billion NBA fans in China that are, you know, just love the game. I mean, Cuffs, you saw it, right? When we were training all these kids in China, how many of these kids were like super NBA fans, you know? Super NBA fans. Bro, a lot of these players, like these kids are like mimicking every every move that these NBA guys do to the, you know, all the way down to the outfits, remember? So... Yeah, I thought there was like a huge opportunity in China for us to like really, you know, capitalize and helping celebrities build their build their reach out in out in the biggest, you know, consumer market in the world, right? So like we we ended up starting this company with um, you know, quite a few NBA clients of ours. We we launched Onyeka Kongwu out in China socials and first week we surpassed twenty seven million views 
in the first week on all China platforms with the Kongwu. Oh my God, twenty! That's crazy. Yeah, we launched two videos, launching like launching him on social media, just announcing him on the platforms, and we had twenty-seven million views across all platforms, including reposts. So you so, did you did the same thing with Nolan Smith and Duke, right? Yeah. So we just launched Nolan uh, recently. He's he's amazing, man. Like he, I feel like his personality works uh, perfectly for for the Chinese audience. He's he's such a nice guy. He's so patient. And I just know that you know China's going to fall in love with them very soon. They already are. So Duke basketball, people don't know that Duke basketball is really big in China. It's huge. It's huge. You know that like college basketball is not even really a big thing in China, but I think it's starting to turn now because there's so many super NBA fans in China, right? They they want to know like the roots of the players, right? Like th- those are the guys that really care about like the history of the game. I mean, you, you saw it, Cuffs, like all these kids, it's like they're so familiar with, you know, the player and their, their backgrounds. It's, it's incredible, probably more so than in the U.S. right now. So how does the company actually work as far as, let's say, for example, I have different NBA friends. I got some guys that's young in the league, and they might want to get their brand, you know, bolstered or boosted in China. So what's some of the process that it takes to get that into, like, into motion? I think the biggest thing is is kind of, you know, talking to your Chinese fans through through social media, because right now social media is the biggest thing in China, obviously in the world right today, because it's like giving a, you know, an opportunity for celebrities to talk to their fans so quickly and efficiently. And so for us, we really care about, you know, having an authentic voice in China, speaking to your you know Chinese fans directly in an authentic manner. And so we always suggest everyone to kind of get onto China socials and, you know, announce themselves, you know, show, show the Chinese audience a little bit of their personal life and, and, you know, show them a little piece of, of themselves. And so we usually always start there and then we find different ways to monetize for them after that. But I think that's a big reason why Andrew Wiggins was an all-star starter, right? Because his China, he had like some type of connections over there in China. Yeah, I think he signed a sneaker deal with I, I don't I don't know if it's right exactly, but I think Peak maybe. I think he signed with Peak, but yeah, he's got a huge, you know, China fan base and I mean, he also plays on probably the hottest team in China. But my guy that I have on the line right now on the Some Dude show is one of the he's one of the goats in the sneaker community, right? So this Man. guy, give me give the people out there listening a little backstory. Because, you know, I got you sitting in the family and friends section right now. Give them a little backstory about Barney Wang, the sneaker goat. Like, you got to be on Mount Rushmore with the sneakers. So let's explain it to the people a little bit. Hey, man. So I appreciate the compliment. But, yeah, I, you know, I've been doing this sneaker shit for, for a long time, man, since I can even remember. And I, I started, you know, just collecting some, some Jordans, of course, being from North Carolina. That's, I mean, what better way to collect than buying Jordans, right? And so I started there, and then I started really getting interested in, like, player-exclusive sneakers. So I started going after, like, rare pairs, and now my collection is probably just full of sneakers that never released to general public. You know, and that's kind of, like, where this whole business of Monarch even started because of my, you know, passion and love for sneakers. Like, I shared, you know, a lot of similar interests with, you know, guys like DJ Khaled, who I've known for 10-plus years, and you know, we connected through sneakers and now here we are, you know, in the process of launching him on China Social. So 
Hold yeah, on. Talk your shit, man. Don't be humble on the Some man. Dude Show. Talk your shit right now, Barney. Let's just say that Cal and I got, you know, we've, we've helped each other get some pretty rare exclusive sneakers. So definitely, uh, you know, been something that I've been doing for a long time, like helping, you know, different athletes and, uh, you know, musicians get, get access to certain rare sneakers. But, yeah, it's always been fun for me. So as far as the sneaker game, like with athletes, we know athletes have a lot of access to sneakers. Like P.J. Tucker is one of those guys where P.J. might pull a pair of sneakers out and you'll have guys that have a, you know, a sponsorship with that shoe. And they'd be like, I don't even have those, P.J. Where the fuck you get those? Bro, so crazy. With, with your collection and dealing with DJ Khaled and those guys, like who's another guy or who's somebody out there in the rap game that you feel like has the best sneaker collection? Oh, I think Offset's getting up there. Oh, yeah. Offset just went crazy on the sneakers recently. He's been buying everything. Like, bro, Fat Joe. Bro, Fat Joe's collection? That shit is in- insane, man. I mean, he's got, like, Eminem 4s that are custom for him, like, with the Terror Squad logo on it. Oh, my. So when you that's, have a shoe like that, that's right? That's priceless. When you have a shoe that priceless, that rare, how many times do you think you actually wear that shoe in your yeah. life? Never. That's just a collector's item. You just look at that. That's You know how crazy this sounds to say <laughs> <laughs> that you spend that much money on a pair of shoes, just one pair of shoes, right? Just to look at it. Just to fucking put it on the mantle and look at it. <laughs> Is that a mental illness? <laughs> Man, I think so. <laughs> is being be a, about that, bro? I got to tweet about this. I got to get my thoughts out. Like, is is being a sneakerhead a diagnosed mental illness? We got to talk about it, Barney. Like, what what is it? What what is the motivation and the drive to say, you know what? I want that pair of shoes right there that nobody else has, and I just want it for me, even though I'm never going to wear this ever. Yeah, I'm I'm a sucker for that illness, bro. <laughs> so look, so I'm minding my business this morning, Barney, right? I'm minding my business. Yeah. Like I said, the Lakers was trash last night. Shout out to Bubba Dub. They was trash last night. So I go to sleep. You know, I had a good probably eight hours of sleep, man. I'm I'm feeling real spry when I get up. You know, I'm looking forward to eating my omelet and my oatmeal. You know, that's my daily regimen. So I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm ready. So I look at my phone. I see my Twitter going haywire, bro. I just woke up. I don't know what's going on. I look at my shit, and I see all these dog abbeys, right? I see the dog abbeys. <laughs> I see the fucking dog abbeys, and I know, okay, what what have I done now? What has some dude done now? You know, what have I done now, right? So, I, so I'm looking, and I see a tweet from Isaiah Thomas, IT. And I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, I, oh, I made a post about him yesterday, I think. You know, I was showing love. I was saying, you know, you're a hard worker. I feel like IT is one of the hardest workers i ever seen in basketball, not just the NBA. And he coming at me with a different energy. So I'm thinking to myself, like, what is this? Like, what? <laughs> like, we live in a world. I didn't understand that. I'm trying to, I'm still trying to understand it. And, I, and what I mean by that is. Like, how can you show somebody love? Not just, like, out of the blue. Like, I've been showing IT a lot of love, like, just for being, like, the grinder that he is. But it's, I feel like in the NBA, bro, like, you never know with these guys where they really 
have big egos. Like you got to have a big ego to play basketball at this level. Like you got to be a different type of animal, bro. Like they probably have different type of thoughts than the average person. You know what I'm trying to say? Right. Like it's a lot of negativity in this world. You know, it's a lot of hate. So for me to sit back and say, you know what, bro? Like I'm showing this guy genuine love on my timeline. Like I didn't have to post that. Like you I didn't have, yeah, have to do that. I didn't have to do that. Like I didn't do that out of no charity. Like I, I really rock with dudes. So for him to like come at me, like with the negative energy, is this guy really hurt because of the Cavs trade a few years ago? And you know, a lot of people see my affiliation to certain people, so I guess they feel like. Yo, that guy right there really the GM. <laughs> it, look, <laughs> like I swear to you, like people inbox me on a daily basis as if I'm the the GM of the Lakers, bro. I have this one guy in particular, right? An Instagram follower. I don't even know this guy's Instagram name because I don't even like, I don't even click on his page. I don't care. But this guy sends me like a long Gettysburg address paragraph. Like at least once a week, sometimes twice a week, three times a week. And he's breaking down like every roster move the Lakers need to make. Every transaction they need to make every NBA trade machine trade scenario known to man. He is typing these words out to me. Tell Braun, man, tell Braun, tell. I'm like, bro, I am not fucking Rob Palenka. <laughs> I'm not Gene Bust. Bruh, like, how do I get thrust in these positions to where it's like, as if I speak for the entire, you know, the entire crew, everybody. Like, it's fascinating as fuck, bro. I know. It's so crazy. My question is, is what I, I feel like IT should have just DM'd you that. That's all I was thinking. So, look, so he did. So Isaiah Thomas did DM me, but he basically said the same thing he said on the timeline. So I had to sit back and think because I have emotional intelligence, Barney. Like that's something I'm really tapping into and I want to really talk about it on another episode. But like I'm emotionally intelligent, bro. So I, I pause. I didn't you know, how sometimes when somebody sends you a message or a text and you may not like what they saying and you just go right in, you know, you go right in and just start typing and saying that's where a lot of people fuck up. Like they don't know how to sit back, take a deep breath. And start to process what's happening before you even say a word back before you react. Like everybody is so reactionary in the world now. Like everybody just uh, uh, typing back shit. A lot of people are dead and gone because of that energy and that emotion, that quick twitch emotion. Like, ah, uh, like, hold on, man, chill out. Let's think about this. Let's see what's going on. So when I saw the DM Barney, I'm like, yo, I, I hit him back with the energy. Like, bro, this, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> like, like, I really have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I don't, I don't post anything for no fake love or whatever he said. Like, we don't do that fake love over here. I'm like, bro, you was, you was in the G League a few days ago scoring 91 points in the last two games. And I'm sitting there watching your fucking highlights on YouTube. Like, I fuck with you, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's no sucker shit with me, and that's why I'm gonna change the entire way the media is, bro. Like I'm talking my Kanye shit right now. Like I'm really gonna come through here and shake the fucking table, man. Because a lot of players they live in these little bubbles. A lot of NBA players, a lot of athletes in general, pro athletes, male, female, they live in this little bubble, right? 
And sometimes the only thing they hear is what the actual mainstream media is saying about them, shit like that. They might go to Twitter and read the timeline. You know, you got guys that search their own name just to see what the fans are saying. But my whole thing is like with me being somebody that's quote unquote in the media now, it's like it's kind of flattering, but at the same time, it's annoying. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like everybody in the world could be saying something about somebody. Well, everybody in the world can criticize a player about something. But when some dude takes his fucking fingers and start tweeting about it or, or expressing his opinion about this player or no, not malicious. Like I know I got some wild tweets back in the day, 10, 12 years ago. We don't moved on from that, bro. I don't apologize about shit. Like I don't have any malice in my heart towards NBA basketball players, bro. Like I watch a lot of film. I watch a lot of games. I'm not one of these fucking casual fan highlight watching motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? Like I really love this shit and I'm entrenched in it. Like I, I train kids, bro. Like you don't see me rebounding out here for NBA guys. You don't think I can do that if I want to? Like I got access to everybody, to somebody, all the stars, all the role players. You don't think I can just pop up in any city and say, yo, bro, Barney, my guy, Barney, he got the 4K camera. We had it in China. You don't think I can hit guys up and be like, yo, I'm in L.A., man. Let's let's get some shots up. I don't do that shit for this. I'm not in this basketball shit for this. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get back to the kids, bro. So everything that I do. Like, I can get a $50 million podcast deal tomorrow. You hear me? $50 million tomorrow. Bro, I'm putting some of that back into the kids, bro. I don't care about rebounding for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, what I look like pulling up in Beverly Hills, you know, at Chris Brown crib. Like, yo, man, you want me to, you want to get some shots up? No, nah, man. You an R&B legend. Make that music. And if you want to shoot some ball in the meantime, just work on your game, that's cool. We can hang out. But I ain't really got to record that, bro. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to inspire some kids. Like, I'm not on that, that, that goofy shit. You know what I'm saying? But I don't hate those guys. If those guys, you know, choose to be clout chasing and shit, that's fine. But like, we're not in it for that. Like I said, we're not in it for that. But, like, going back to the IT thing, Barney, man, it's like, bro, I reached out to dude. I'm showing genuine love. Like Nipsey Hussle said. And let me say this. You know, I see guys with all these Nipsey Hussle flags in their bios. And I'm not just saying that the IT. I'm saying all these guys on Twitter, Instagram. This ain't the energy that Nipsey was talking about. Like, I feel like Nipsey is gone because of this energy. Where two black men have a disagreement. They can't call each other and talk. Nah, they're going to go to the internet first. Like, these guys went straight to the internet trying to make me look like a certain type of person. Like, bro, hit me up. We can talk. And one of my homies that knows these guys actually hit me up on the phone, called me. We talked for like 38 minutes, and shit is good. But it's like, if you got my number, bro, you can reach me. You know the people that you can contact to reach some dude, bro. Let's talk. Like, I'm I'm a fan. I could pull up in Charlotte. At the very next game, I got season tickets. Like, what's good, bro? We good? Keep grinding, my guy. I'm grinding. I'm running the marathon. What Nipsey say? Nipsey said it best. You got to get that out your heart, man. We can't afford it. You got to get that out your heart because we can't afford it. So whatever's in your heart, that same shit ain't in my heart. That's all I'm saying. So I just thought it was weird, Barney, like, 
He just hit me up and was like, yo, I'm going to pick cuffs out out of everybody else. How does that work? I remember, I remember when we were in China, too. That's when IT got traded. Yeah, he got traded. Exactly. We was in China, and we saw the breaking news in China with the kids. And it's like, yo, uh, damn, they made a trade for Kyrie. We, we was talking about this shit the whole time when we first got to China. I know. And now we're sitting here with guys saying, hey, man, keep that fake love over there. Like, what is, what is fake love, bro? Lakers and six. Lakers and fucking six, man. Lakers and fucking six, man. I'm going to stand on it, man. I think that's why they mad. I think they mad. <laughs> I think they mad because I don't never jump ship, bro. How you feel about the Laker fans booing LeBron, bro? Come on, man. What do you think it is, bro? I know, I know what it is. You want me to tell what you? What, I'm gonna tell you what it is. Here we go. This is some dude show, man. I'm gonna keep it 100 with y'all. It's a very sensitive conversation, but it's got to be had, and nobody gonna have it. Like we all love Kobe Bryant as a basketball player. I was not a Kobe Bryant fan when he was like in the NBA. Right. Once again, it goes back to my theory of why am I always the guy that gets pointed out like. You was a Kobe hater. You didn't like Kobe because I'm not the only person. It's a lot of people in this world that was not Kobe Bryant fans. They just were not Kobe Bryant fans. Just like people don't remember this, but people have selective amnesia. A lot of people didn't like Michael Jordan before he started winning rings, bro. I was there. A lot of people was calling Michael ball hog. He don't make his teammates better three straight playoff losses to the Pistons. I was crying when Mike lost. I'm in my living room, eight, nine years old, upset, crying at the TV because Michael Jordan getting eliminated again. And now I sit here all these years later and I'm seeing guys like constantly try to like pit Michael Jordan against LeBron James, right? And it's like, bro, okay. It's, it's, I'm so fatigued, bro. I'm so exhausted. I'm tired of it. So now, like, the Kobe Bryant thing, his death, it was tragic, bro. And it's like, I learned a lesson from that. Like, damn, we really got to start giving these guys their flowers, bro. Like, whether you root against them. Like, I'm going to tell you something about Steph Curry. Like, people think I hate Steph Curry. It's like, nah, he was just in the way. He was in LeBron's way. That's my favorite player. That's my guy. Like, Curry was in the way. Just like Larry Bird was in Magic Johnson's way. Isaiah Thomas and Dumars was in Jordan's way. It don't mean we really like really hate these guys. Like I'm gonna see them in public and and talk shit. Nah, bro, it's not that deep. Like we all got players we hate. Larry Bird was not revered. He wasn't loved like this. He wasn't like this. He was the great white hope in Boston, yeah. But like in the world, in the grand scheme, like nah, nobody won't fucking with Larry Bird like that. Mainly white guys were. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like. I don't understand it with the whole LeBron shit, man, and the Kobe thing. It's always been a weird dynamic with the fan bases, not the two players, because we saw the respect they had for each other. Like when Kobe Bryant, you know, came to the Lakers games when LeBron first got there, we saw it. They might not be buddy, buddy, the best of friends in this world, but it's like they have a mutual respect because it's like, bro, we went to war. We went to war out here in the trenches, bro. So why would I hate you? Okay, why would I hate you? Like, I, I'm from a place where, you know, in North Carolina, I train different kids, all the good high school players, they come to me. I don't 
chase no kid. They come to me, male, female, they come to me, right? So tell you a quick story. I had two kids that were the absolute best basketball players in this county, okay? They played against each other in high school, both of them getting like 30-something a game. Both of these guys, two different players, two different positions, and guess what the county did to those two boys? They made them hate each other to the point where I had a workout, right? Like this, this before the pandemic, Barney. Before the pandemic, I had a big workout at my gym, right? So I invited like five or six kids because the biggest scout pretty much in the whole high school game was coming to my gym to check out kids because he reached out to me like, yo, you got any kids down your way? I'm like, yeah, man, because I feel like the eastern part of North Carolina gets overlooked compared to Charlotte and Greensboro, you know, the hotbed for talent in North Carolina. So he came to my gym. So before he came, I reached out to certain kids. Like I handpicked the certain kids that I felt like needed to get a look that they won't get, you know, anywhere else. Cause I'm a real guy. Right. So the scouts is coming and I've contacted the parents, you know, to let them know to drop the kid off to the spot. And I hit the kids up on Instagram themselves and I asked one of the dads, like, yo, you mind if your son come to the workout? Da, da, da. And I'm explaining to him who's going to be there. And when he, he heard a certain kid's name, and it's like, nah, we ain't. I'm like, nah, those two boys have an imaginary beef. Like I said on the first episode of the Some Do Show, those boys have an imaginary beef with each other that was pretty much manufactured by the, by the city. By these weird ass daddies and these weird ass grown dudes that be in the crowd talking shit to high school kids when they on the court, bro. Sit your fat ass down somewhere, bro. Like that's the world we live in. So to go back to my point about LeBron and Kobe, I don't think they were the best of friends because they competed against each other and the public tried to put those guys against each other. Like Nike even made a campaign and tried to have fun with it, bro. Like it was a real thing. You can't deny it. It was a real thing, bro. So what I'm saying is I know Kobe Bryant fans right now to this day that have some type of resentment towards LeBron. And that was before LeBron started winning a championship I and mean, he had no rings. So like you can go in barbershops right now. I can go in barbershops right now, Barney, and I can sit in there because I'm way more emotionally intelligent than I was five, 10 years ago. So I used to go to barbershop and just start talking shit and just throwing all type of hand grenades. But now I go in there and I just listen and you would hear guys talking about the NBA, different jargon. And as soon as somebody say LeBron name, it's like I hear 70, 80 percent negativity immediately. Then I do like great. He's, he's a great player. You know what I'm trying to say? And it's like it's crazy as fuck to me. Break down that that moment when LeBron met with Jordan, what do what you think was going on there? That's a good question, Barney. Like when LeBron met Jordan at the all-star game, like you got to look at the body language, like LeBron's body language was like, no matter what everybody be saying, fuck social media. Like this Mike, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How any basketball lover like ourselves would be. That was the kid, LeBron. That was the kid from Akron. He saw Michael Jordan, his fucking idol, like, bro, 23. He's standing right here. He don't hardly see Mike that much. And I've always had my own reservations and questions about that relationship where it's like, man, why MJ don't rock with Bron like that? 
Like you see what Allen Iverson doing, right? I'm glad you asked me this question because I actually posted like a day or two ago about Iverson. Like Iverson showed love to all the young boys. Like look at the love Iverson is showing John Morant right now. Like what do you think that's doing for John Morant, bro? His confidence to hear Allen Iverson saying like, yo, you're going to be the MVP soon, my guy. Like it's, I feel like the OGs, man, like the, it's only a few select OGs out here that's like, I'm going to show love. And I will say, Barney, like I feel like somebody in Michael's team, it might have been, you know, somebody close to him. It might even be his wife. But somebody close to Mike, I feel like has said something to Mike about that, where it's like, Mike, you need to start showing more love to the young guys, bro. Like, look how these guys look up to you, Mike. Everywhere you go, everybody bow down. Like, you like God. Like, Michael Jordan is really like God to a lot of people. Okay? He's like a God. Like, he walks in the room, it's like, holy shit, that's Mike. He on the fucking shoes, Barney. We sit here and talk about sneakers and how much the sneakers worth. That's the guy that's on the fucking shoes. Are you hearing me? Like, he on the shoes. <laughs> And you standing right in front of him. So what do you think LeBron's thinking? He's standing in front of Mike like, bro, I compete. I'm a competitor. I'm all that shit. But like this Mike. I really wonder what MJ was thinking. That's what I was thinking, Barney. Like when I was looking at MJ, for one, everybody in the world wants to know what did MJ say to LeBron? You know what I'm saying? But it's like, man, I think Mike was starting to come around. He's starting to come around because we all know he made the last dance because of LeBron, man. He started to hear the whispers. He started to hear the chatter. And it's like, man, I just want guys to be men. Like, this whole conversation is random. It's sporadic, but it needed to be had. Like, the Isaiah Thomas shit that happened to me this morning, it's, like, funny to me. <laughs> like, I'm not mad. I have no malice in my heart about any of it. The part that's fascinating to me is... It's all the people from the sidelines, right? The peanut gallery motherfuckers. Like I said, the dog Abbeys. All the cartoon Abbeys. Whenever you're on social media, whether you're on, when you're on Twitter and somebody tweets you and they have a cartoon as they avatar or like a player or a Photoshop jersey of some player on their avatar, that person is fucking nuts, man. Yeah. That, person, <laughs> that person I'm going to give you another story Barney. I'm going to give you another story This story time was I'm going to start calling this story time with some dude Right This internet shit is, is fucking hilarious Man to me okay And nobody's perfect I done said it before nobody's perfect We all make mistakes on social media We all got some shit It's like bro what was I thinking Okay but this shit right here I had a situation about this happened about five or six years ago. I had a real life catfish, Barney, but not a catfish like some girl that tried to holler at me on the internet, but she really was like Respucia in real life. Nah, bro. Like I had a real life catfish in my actual city. I had an old white man. This sound creepy already, right? This shit sound creepy as fuck, right? An old white gentleman, right? Probably in his 50s. But here's the catch, right? Here's the catch. He is a former high school basketball coach in my community that I live in. Okay? This real podcasting right now. This is a real story. This basketball coach, like 50-something years old, retired, 
you know, basketball coach. He coached varsity basketball for like over 10, 12, 15 years. Everybody knows this guy in the county, in the city. This guy made a fake Twitter page, Barney. A fake Twitter page with a fake profile picture. And he started tweeting me. So, you know, when you're on Twitter, like you get random people tweeting you here and there. You reply back. Sometimes you don't. But after a while, when it becomes a pattern to where it's like this person sending me messages nonstop. Who is this motherfucker? So I started reading some of the messages and this guy is making up things like he's making up things like a fairy tale. He's making up lies about me, about my kid. And that's where he crossed the line. Like he said some shit about my son, like a bunch of lies. Like he's jealous of my son because he's like one of the best players in the city. So I'm still trying to figure out who this person was at this time. I didn't know who it was. So I'm reading the tweets. I'm doing the blues clues, bro. I'm putting together the clues. You know, I watch a lot of law and order and shit. No SVU. So I'm putting together the clues in the forensic lab. I'm like, who is this fucking person? Because it's got to be somebody local that knows me. Because the shit they saying is like personal. So I'm like, whoa. So I do my research and I figure out who it is. So fast forward. This happened for like three straight months, Barney. Somebody tweeting you nonstop for like three months straight. Just crazy venomous shit every day. So I figure out who it is. And I'm 100% sure it's this person. So I'm at a high school basketball game. I see the man at the concession stand, okay? He getting some popcorn, some Reese's Cups. I see him, but he doesn't see me at first. So when he turned, it's like a movie. He's like Boys in the Hood. He turned, and when he seen me, like he V-lined outside, like he ran outside, like he's speed walking at this point. So I'm behind him. We outside of a high school a big high school. It's a big time game. Cars everywhere. It's only me and him outside, and like one or two people. But I'm outside on the sidewalk. I walk up on this man, and with a smile on my face, like I am in real life, I'm like, "Yo, what's good, bro? You was you still a Spurs fan?" <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, like he's thrown off because that's one of the tweets that he said. Like he told on himself in the tweets, basically. So I figured out who he was by him tweeting something about the Spurs and beating LeBron James." This is a funny story for several reasons. I'm, I'm explaining it to you. It's a funny story because this man was a catfish, right? Who made a fake Twitter page talking about me and my son, my real family. And I confront this man in real life. And guess what this man does? He really goes over to the sheriff. Like he, he screams the sheriff's name out, right? Like I have witnesses that was, I have family members that standing right beside me. We actually recorded this. This is, this really happened. Like this sound like a movie. Like this man runs and get the sheriff. The sheriff comes over and is trying to tell me I got to leave the premises, me and my people. Like, I'm not trying to jump this man. I'm talking to him one-on-one about the tweets that he made. And it's like, it's never the same energy. That's the point of me bringing this story up. So it's like when you see these trolls on Twitter, right? Like you see these, tro- these trolls on Instagram coming at you and they, they typing all these venomous paragraphs. I'm like, these are not real people. Like they are real people, but they're not real people. So when you see them in real life and any pressure is applied to them, they transform into what they really are. They're cowards. So like this Isaiah Thomas shit is cool, but it's like I can handle Isaiah Thomas and talk to him like a man. I could talk to his homeboy like a man. And this shit is it's done. It's squashed. It never was anything. But to see the reaction from the peanut gallery is the funniest shit, bro. Because it's like... 
We live in a world to where people want to be included. Everybody wants to be inclusive. Like this conversation has nothing to do with you. <laughs> like nothing to do with these people. So what do you think that mental illness is? Like, why do people feel like they got to always chime in? The funny thing is, is people think they're getting to you on the Twitter. You know, when they like, like they say malicious things to you, but it's just funny because like, obviously I know you so well and I know you don't, you don't give a shit about any of this stuff. It's just funny to you. It's fucking funny to me. And if, if they could see how I look and how I'm laughing, well, sometimes when I'm reading it, they probably going to get even more upset. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, bro, like I done been through some wild stuff in my life. So I try to find humor in everything. Bro, how many times have we laughed off stuff that people tweet at you, man? It's just endless. It's endless. Like the Kevin Durant shit, it's like, yo, I really own his soul? Do I own his soul or what? <laughs> <laughs> like, bro, there's no way you could tell me some of the greatest NBA players that's ever roamed this planet can hit me up at 2, 3 in the morning talking shit or saying this or, or, or commenting on something that I tweeted about. Like, what is that called? Like, I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm trying not to talk my shit right now, but it's like, yo, no one man should have this power, Barney. <laughs> like, what, what, what is, what is it? Like, what, are, what is it? We from North Carolina, dog. Like, what is it? I don't know, man. You just got, you just got something going on over there in, in, in North Carolina that for some reason gets people going, you know? I run shit here. You just live here. Yeah, that's right. You better walk away. Go and walk away, because I'm going to burn this motherfucker down. King Kong ain't got shit on me. I've got some information. I've got some information from you from the shipping container. Some dude on Twitter says he's going to LA. Oh really? Yeah. That's it. Some dude who apparently is close to LeBron is tweeting people, telling them trophy time, get ready to all the people in LA. Tweet Kyle Kuzma, you tweet a carry champion, you know, all the Laker luminaries. Right, but who is this dude? Like I have dudes you know, they're tweeting me that he's coming to Miami. He's he's some dude. He's he's no inferno, let me put it that way. He's no inferno. He's just some dude need to pump up my main man cuffs. First of all, we like on this show and in life, I like to buy value stocks, buy them low before they pop, right? You like to buy low, sell high. I told you guys about Cuffs the Legend a while back. He's been uh, out there, you know, Kevin Durant's in his Instagram mentions. Uh, He's friendly with LeBron. He's gotten in with the NBA players. I'm just telling you guys, you want to buy an early NBA stock. This guy is funny. He's interesting. He's plugged in. You've got to kind of read between the lines as to what he's saying on some stuff. Our next guest is an NBA analyst, a basketball trainer, and a social media influencer. He goes by the name of Cuffs the legend and you can follow him on twitter right there at cuffs c-u-f-f-s the legend yes yes i say yes look at your neighbor right now look to your left look to your right oh yeah it's march march madness is here the buzzer beaters, the heartbreak, the agony, the victories. March Madness is here. March is here. I just want to send prayers up. I just want to send prayers up to all the AAU coaches out there. 
All you AAU basketball coaches. It's a lot of pressure on you guys. I know you got some kids on your team that's not really good at basketball. You got a lot of role players. You got a lot of bench players. And they all have one thing in common. They have one thing in common, man. They have a pretty mom. I said it. I said, look to your neighbor. Don't succumb to the pressure. Don't fold under pressure, AAU coaches. If you're coaching a kid and his mom is so beautiful, she's so invested, she's so dedicated in her son's life. But that young man, can I say this in the church? That young man is so trash. He can't make a damn layup to save his damn life. <laughs> but you're going to still coach that young man. You're going to develop that young man. Because it's bigger than basketball, baby. It's so much bigger than basketball. So all my AAU coaches out there, this spring and summer, I challenge you guys. Don't compromise. Do not compromise your integrity just to make the pretty mom happy. You got to make little man earn that playing time. Oh, yeah, you got to earn that playing time. Earn, not given. Oh, yeah. Look to your neighbor. Look to your neighbor right now and say, I promise. I promise. Look to your AAU coach neighbor right there. You tell that guy, hey, make little man earn that playing time. And all you beautiful basketball mothers out there, I know you love your son. But don't try to pressure these AAU coaches this summer to give your son playing time. It's the oldest trick in the book. It's one of the oldest tricks the devil ever pulled. Pretty mom. <laughs> and her son's a bum. I know it's a conundrum. I know this right here is a very touchy subject. But I want to see everybody win. I'm some dude. I want to give a shout out to my guy on the organ, my guy Willie. Shout out to my guy Willie on the keys. And parents, all you basketball parents out there listening to the Some Do Show right now. Please, I say please, Father, touch these parents. Let these parents relax at these basketball games. Your kid is not Steph Curry. Your kid is not LeBron damn James. Oh, can I cuss in church? Oh, it's too late. Your kid is not an NBA superstar. Right now, he's not. So you got to fucking relax. Oh, God. I know I'm going to hell after this. Parents, you got to relax at these basketball games this summer. I'm seeing all these parents fighting at these basketball tournaments. People pulling guns out in the parking lot. 
We've seen brawls inside of gyms. These kids are eight years old, 10 years old, 12 years old. They don't need to see that shit. What are we doing, parents? Because I'm going to say this right now on the Some Do Show. A lot of y'all parents, a lot of you basketball parents, y'all taking the fun out of the game for the kids. Y'all taking fun out of the game for the kids. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, I promise that I will not be a asshole at my kids' basketball games this summer. Can you make that promise to the church right now? Is anybody out there ready to make that promise? That you would not act like an absolute fool at your son or daughter's basketball games this spring and this summer. That's all I ask. I will set you free right now. Come on to the altar. Because the jig has been hovering a long time on you basketball parents. You crazy ass basketball daddies. You're five foot two, man. Shut up. Okay? You're five foot two. Your wife is four foot 11. I'm just saying. Your son might not grow to be six six. Shut up. I'm tired of it, man. Let the church say, yay, man. Oh, yeah. I had to get this off my chest, man. I had to get it off my chest. To all you basketball parents, just look at the big picture. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'm not here to preach. I'm just here to speak. I see you, Willie. I see you, Willie, on the keys. See, I told y'all when I first met y'all, when y'all first met me, there's no other podcast like this in the entire world. And I'm approved that. And one more thing while I'm here. All you basketball parents, moms, dads. I got a question. When I'm at the game watching these kids play ball, you know, they could be 8 years old, 9, 10, 12 years old, 15, 16 years old. But it's one thing I see at every basketball game I've ever been to. Every youth basketball game I've ever been to. I hear parents in the crowd screaming, swing it, swing it. Swing it, swing it. But they only yell, swing it, swing it, when somebody else's kid on the team has the ball. Which makes me ask the question, why don't you say swing it, swing it, whenever your kid has the ball? You're going to hell, man. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to hell, man. Your kid out there playing go to hell ball, man. Six years old, taking 30 shots a game. Come on, man. 
the moral of the story is the moral of this story is just make the extra pass just make the extra pass dog oh yeah oh yeah welcome to the some do show i am your host cuffs the legend we're gonna take a ride tonight we going down i-95 south with my special guest dennis smith jr Fayetteville, let's go. Yeah. This shit too easy for me now. Nigga Kobe going plaxes back when CDs was around. What you sold, I tripled debt. I can't believe these fucking clowns. Look how everybody clapping when your 30-song album do a measly hundred thou. If I'm betting on myself, then I completely double down. If you hate it on a nigga, please don't greet me with a pound. I be staying out the way, but if the beef do come around, could put an M right on your head. You Luigi brother now. Trace my steps all in the game you can see we cover ground back and forth from nc to new york when jeezy had the crown vivid memories niggas start to squeeze we ducking down so many shells left on the ground and make the easter bunny proud i get up dust my clothes off sleep is the cousin of death no plans to doze off the streets that don't come with a rep i never sold soft just creep where the hustlers crept and got they o's off you reach niggas up and like steph to blow your nose off kazoom tight and then resume flight as if it never happened shit we witnessed full of so much sickness angels shedding tears in heaven word to eric clapton off this clever rapping bitch my pockets going forever fatten let's go Shout out to all the OGs in Fayetteville. Jeff Capel, my guy. Daryl Armstrong, NBA legend from Fayetteville State. The, the nigga that made him peep the reaper creeping on you. The sin of failure reeking on you. Check your genitalia, pussy niggas bleeding on yourself. Fucking with coal is bold, but it's impeding on your health. All your niggas eating off your wealth. All my niggas feeding all they selves. And it feels swell. Krispy Kreme dreams. Sometimes my dogs want to kill 12. Uh, cause they steady harassing. We seen dilemmas like Nelly and Kelly. They're in the deli as fashion. My young niggas nutty, they blasting. Bullets be humming like Cuddy, but one of your hoodies, spaghetti or splashing. All over the driveway. Y'all talking on sideways. Shots popping off y'all laid down. Cops talking off y'all legs now. Shit. Y'all watching hey Yahweh. My niggas look up to the sky like we sending in Yahweh. Yeah. Let's give Dennis Smith Jr. his flowers. The man came back to Fayetteville. He built a basketball court in the city where he came from. That's some real shit. Shout out to all my young boys. Douglas Burr High School, E.E. E. Smith, Westover. It's a lot of real hoopers from, from Fayetteville. Murkison Road, what's good? Oh yeah. Welcome back to the Some Do Show. I'm your host, Cuffs the Legend, once again. You know, I told y'all I had some tricks up my sleeve. I had to dig in my bag of tricks once again. But this time I had to go down 
95 South. I had to go down to Fayetteville. My next guest hails from Fayetteville, North Carolina. The ninth overall pick in the 2017 NBA Draft. The second youngest player to ever record a triple-double in Madison Square Garden. You know, this guy right here I'm talking to, he's only 24 years old, but I consider him one of the greatest high school basketball players that ever come from the state of North Carolina. We've been trying to put this together for a while now, but all the stars align just perfectly for this interview tonight. My guy, I want to welcome to the Some Do Show, Dennis Smith Jr. What's good, my boy? Cups, what up, baby? What's happening? I know you got a lot you're going through. You know, you're coming off your injury right now, trying to rehab your injury. So how you feeling right now? Man, I'm feeling good, man. Um, you know, they got me in a brace right now. It's kind of similar to the ACL brace, but I just been locked in there. It's the same injury that Paul George got too. So oh, okay. said it took around two months. So I should be good by April to get back, start working out, you know, and getting ready. You was playing real well with Portland before your injury. You was playing real well. You know, you was you was getting some real good run with the Trailblazers. So, what it was like, you know, being under the wing of guys like C.J. McCollum and, and and Dame Lillard. What was it like being around those guys on a daily basis, man? The shit was dope because you got to understand, like when you look at it from my point of view, all I've been on is teams that's in the lottery. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, when I was in Dallas, we were sixth in the West, but I got traded middle of the year to the Knicks, and we were back in the lottery. We got R.J. Barrett, so. To be with guys that's never seen a lottery, you know, they've been playoffs every time, every year they've been there. Uh, it was dope, man. I was just soaking up knowledge. Like, you ask anybody, I'm a sponge, bro. I'm sitting there, I'm listening, I'll ask questions. Dame, CJ. And- How was the practices? I know the one-on-ones, the ones that practices had to be crazy. Man, that shit was intense. So I remember training camp, I'm like, I'm here to make my mark, bro, like, Cause I didn't even know, believe it or not, I didn't even know I was on the training camp deal. Like I thought I was on like just a vet minimum. Then I found out I was on the training camp, so I was like, okay, well let me go ahead and lock in and, and, and secure this shit. And then uh, I wasn't clear, you know, from my meniscus, I wasn't clear. So I'm like, bro, I gotta make something happen. You feel me? Like if it's meant for me, you know, I feel like God gonna take me through. So I'm battling all them obstacles. I hit training camp. And I'm making my mark. Like uh, I'm guarding CJ every chance I get. We doing ones, and um, they like, man, call out. Call out who you want for your matchup on the other team. So they called Nurk, and Nurk was like, man, let me get a, let me get the rook. He called the rook out there to get, you know, he got a bucket for their team. Dame, as soon as his turn, he's like, you know, I want to smoke it. Go ahead and bring Dennis out here. You feel me? So, Ooh. yeah, so I like, that's just, you know, I'm making my impact, bro. I'm, I'm hard-nosed, hard-working, and they started to notice that. So you were born and raised in Fayetteville, North Carolina, that's about 45 minutes south of where I'm from. So why do they call it Fayetteville, Dennis? Why do they really call it Fayetteville? Just give me your description. The real reason, you know, so you like, you know, because you close, you know, it's a yeah, lot. Yeah, I know of, what's up. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of violence in Fayetteville. So, you know, they kind of you know, took that to the hood, you know what I'm saying? They use it as a slang. But originally, it's called Fayetteville for uh, the uh, Air, Air Force Base. We got a uh, Fort Bragg. Right. And it's the second biggest base in the country. So, Why is it so hard to make it out of Fayetteville, North Carolina? Like, J. Cole calls it Dreamville. Like, why is it so hard to make it out of that city, man? Um, Probably because of, like, a lot of the, the other inner cities or ghettos that you got in America is, like, 
we looking up to the guys that's out here getting the fast money. You know what I'm saying? We looking up to the guys that's doing the illegal things and to the guys that's knocking everybody out. Like when you come from the hood, them like superstars, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I always told people I believed I'm good enough to make it to the NBA, but I never seen anybody do it. So that wasn't like, I'm going to make it to the league. You feel me? That didn't seem like a, a, a possibility, you know? Yeah, it wasn't a lot of examples. There were a lot of great high school players that came from the 910. Uh, Jeff Capel was a great high school player from down in Hope County, I think. And, and, you know, he went, he played for a while at Duke, and then he went on to coach. But like you said, it's not a lot of examples, man. So talk about your relationship with a guy like like J. Cole, right? So J. Cole kind of mm-hmm. took you under his wing, you know, being from the same city. So what does it mean for two guys like you, like you making it to the NBA and a lot of kids looking up to Dennis Smith Jr.? And then J. Cole coming from the same city, being one of the biggest global icons in the rap game. Like, both of y'all guys from the same city where a lot of kids don't make it out. So what what's the right. relationship with you and J. Cole? How did they all come to fruition? How did that start? Well, it's like, you know, I don't even say this for a lot of people, but he like a big brother to me, you know what I'm saying, in terms of, uh, like, he just, he'll tell me, like, Bro, I, like I, I like I shit you not. Like he watched every game of mine and will critique it and tell me like you did this wrong. Him and Eve, they'll watch every game. Like yo, you did this wrong. I think you could do this. Or, I like how you doing this. They sit there and watch every game, bro. So it's it's really like he family now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I don't even know if a lot of people know this. I don't think anybody know this. So when I was in NY and I had the situation when my stepmom had passed, he was on the way to talk to me about um, just about my season and things like that. You know. And it was understood by me. Like, it was going to be kind of like, a, like, come on, nigga, like, let's get it going. And then it really turned out to him being like, sorry to hear that, bro. And he gave me his plane to take back home to Fayetteville. That's crazy, man. That's love right there. Yeah, bro. So it's, it's family. So a lot of guys from Fayetteville, like you got J. Cole. A lot of people don't know this, man. You got J. Cole. You got Dennis Smith Jr. You got Moray, the up-and-coming artist Moray. You got the OGs like Atheon Crockett. You got your boy Vic Blends, like a celebrity barber. I follow him on Instagram, man. He's very inspiring. You know, it's a lot yep. of I see a lot of unity and solidarity amongst the Fayetteville guys. So what can y'all do to get the whole city on the same page, though? Because like you said, it's a violent place. It's a very dangerous place. I tell people all the time, like, you cannot be lacking in Fayetteville. So right. what do you feel like y'all can do as a as a unit, man, sometimes like to continue to influence the kids? to feel like they can make it out of that city. Because I know it's a tough place. Right. I I think it'll come down to a lot of the older guys just seeing the bigger picture. And the problem is, it's really a young, it's a young dude world, bro. Oh, like, yeah. It's a young dude world. Yeah, it's black, like, it's know, black Air Forces. It's black Air Forces, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's the saying? black Air Force energy is out here for real, man. <laughs> yeah, they're they not respecting any rules. They're barely respecting OGs. So, you know, I think, I think, the older guys got to see the bigger picture. You know, you can't be like, oh, this guy, he he did this. So he did this back in the day. And, and still holding on to that, man. Everybody, you know, people get old, man. People got families. People trying to take care of themselves. They're not who they were a decade ago. So speaking of OGs, right? Speaking of OGs, you just, you, you just brought up a good point about the young boys. This generation of young boys really not listening to the OGs. And they're like, man, whatever, man. Y'all, y'all guys are old. Y'all know what y'all talking about. But I yep. saw you. I saw you recently, you know, you linked up with Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, you know, the legendary NBA player, one of my childhood idols from LSU, back when he was Chris Jackson, LSU. And I, I've seen the relationship that you two guys have built. Like, what, are, what what's the backstory on your relationship with Mahmoud, man? I think it's pretty dope. 
Yeah, it is, though. He, I tell people all the time, he and my top three favorite people in this world. And I just met him two years ago. But he just, he like a sensei, bro. Like, I don't even like to say he a trainer. He just a sensei. <laughs> yeah, because, Master Splinter. He like, like Master Splinter, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you know how they teach you, like, subliminal shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, he'll be like, oh, like, be like water. But then, like, be like water mean you can put that anywhere. Like, oh, let me adapt to this situation. Let me learn. Like, he do things like that. He put me on different kind of books. And he just share his knowledge with me. And he really done taught me humility. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like he a megastar. Like, people come around and they ask me for a picture. Like, younger guys, they ask me for a picture. I'm telling them, like, y'all don't know who this man is. Yeah, you know who this is? Do you know who right, this right. is? Yeah, you get this picture, you own. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So how did y'all link up? Like, how did y'all originally link up? Like, mutual friends or just, you know, how did y'all originally link up? It was through my agent. Oh, okay. Okay. Because I know Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf has one of the craziest offensive toolboxes there ever been in the NBA, in basketball. Mm -hmm. Like, what's some of the little nuances that you really picked up and adapted to when you was in the gym with him? Uh, so I didn't get a lot of time to work with him this season or even this off season because I had the rehab, you know, I had a meniscus injury. So, but the year before then, we were in the gym every day, and you know that's that's reflected in my shooting percentage when I was in Detroit. I was shooting above, I want to say I shoot above thirty five from three when I was in Detroit, and it, that was just based on the work. We just work, work, work every day. You know what I'm saying? Like getting a thousand makes and shit. Like like I had a callus on my fingertip, bro, just from shooting so much. And, my mood of tireless worker. Like, you see the shit we're doing, you're like, damn, like, how you get it like that, bro? It's really just work. You do the same reps over and over and over. It's boring as hell, but that shit helps. Like, what really happened with the Dallas Mavericks? Like, what really happened with your time there? I feel like you didn't really get a fair shake, bro. And it was like watching yeah. it where it was like, yo, they not really let my guy rock out like that. Like, what really happened? If you can go into it a little bit, like, what really happened with the Dallas Mavericks. Cause I know you're still a fan of Luka Donick. Like, what's your relationship with Luka? Because I know seeing Luka become a face of the NBA, like you saw that guy when he was young as well. But, like, what really mm -hmm. happened? What really happened in Dallas? Man, so my first year, it was, it was a cool year. Um, you know, I just think, you know, the article that came out that said that uh, – I'm just quoting this is from the article. These are not my words. The article that said Rick wanted Donovan and things of that nature. You know, I could – you know, I could believe, you know, that's what the article says. So it's like I'm looking at it like, okay, I see these other rookies. I was doing my thing my rookie year, and I was only playing like 27 minutes, 28 minutes. We weren't a team that was in the playoffs or anything. So, you know, rookie season done, boom, coming to my second year. Uh, man, it was a lot, bro. Like I was threatened. They threatened to trade me like in the offseason. Really, I got threatened to trade in the offseason during the summer league coming into my second year. And I'm just like, damn, like, I thought I was solid my first season, like, as a rookie. You yeah, you was all like, rookie. You made the second team all rookie. Yeah, and I, I would have been first if Ben Simmons wasn't wasn't in there. So, it's like, uh, that happened. And then, uh, as the season went along, we were playing really good. I'm not going to lie. We were sixth in the West when I got traded. And, um, you know, I just think it was a... Uh, it might have been like a conflict of interest or something, something internal, something that was way over my head because uh, I think, like I tell people, I told this to Wayne Ellington, I was like, I think my biggest problem in Dallas was I was really trying to, I was trying to listen too much. Like I was too worried about what the coach was thinking of me. And he was like, I mean, it's your first year in the league, you're doing what you're supposed to do. But uh, I think if I would have been like, man, I really don't care. Like I'm going to do me anyways. 
that might have helped me out. It's like I, I, I can kind of tell you was kind of overthinking sometimes and, and just kind of looking over your shoulder sometimes when you shouldn't have had to. Right, right. So that that's that's a lot of what was going on there. You know what I'm saying? Watching Luca, man. Do you think he can be the face of the league one day? Like, do you think he's that good? I think he's. I think he's talented enough. I think he's talented enough. Um, I don't know if. Uh, I don't know, man. You feel like Dirk was ever the first face of the league? That's a good question. Like I feel like they didn't give Dirk his flowers until he went on that legendary, you know, playoff and finals run when he beat LeBron and the Miami Heat that year. He was before that year. They were saying Dirk was soft. He was labeled as soft before that championship with Dallas in 2011. Right. So that's crazy, like, how somebody can have a whole body of work, <laughs> a whole great body yeah. of work, and they call you soft. People don't remember this, Dennis, but when KG, before Kevin Garnett went to Boston, they, they called him all type of names. Like, he's a loser. He's not a winner. He can't lead a team. So it's like these narratives. Yeah, in Minnesota, like he was a great player. He got an MVP, but they were saying he yeah. wasn't a winner. Like he couldn't carry a team to the chip. Going back to your situation with Dallas, that's why I wanted to get back into this this space, this podcasting mm-hmm. space, this media space, because the narrative is always told one way. <laughs> you know, it's always told their way, and it's never told yeah. y'all way, the players. Like the players don't really get on these platforms a lot. Because most of the time, y'all talk to anybody, it's just after the game, to the regular old, you know, robot media. They don't know nothing about you guys, like, even off the court. So, like, you seeing what's happening with Westbrook right now. I feel like with Westbrook, I bro, it. I hate it because it's like they never embraced him. The fans never really embraced him to give him a chance. So, it's like he in his own head now. How you feel about right. Westbrook's situation right now? I think it's unfortunate. You know, me being the kind of point guard I was coming to lead, that's one of the guys that I watched a lot of. And uh, I had just came in right after his historical run, you feel me? And I kind of caught the, the damn, like, tail end of it when he was in OKC. Yeah. So I'm like, man, this is a guy I watch a lot of. And, you know, to see how the fans do him, it's, you know, that's part of the game. But I'm like, man, I feel for him too, you feel me, like, and it's, it's magnified, you know what I'm saying? He with the Lakers. He with the Lakers. They get every TV game. His minutes not going to get cut, so he got to go out there and, and, and play. So, man, it's bad. It's bad. But I feel like, man, he's going to, you know, he'll, he'll thug it out, man. He's going to be all right. Yeah, I think so, man. You never can count Russ out because I've seen Russ had bad seasons. Like, he had a pretty suspect season last year in Washington until the All-Star break came, and then he took off. So we see, mm-hmm. we see guys like – LeVar Ball, you know, getting their flowers. You know, these great dads. You know, Drew Holiday's dad, the Holiday brothers. You know, mm-hmm. you know they've been real instrumental. They real vocal guys. Well, not Holiday dad, but like LeVar's a real vocal guy. We see a right. lot of these dads get their flowers. But let's talk a little bit about Dennis Smith Sr., man. Dennis Smith Sr., yeah, I, I don't know your dad personally, but I can tell he like a low-key guy. But how mm-hmm. instrumental was he in your basketball journey? Man, my pops a goat. Cause like these guys you naming, like them two, them two fathers you name, they both from LA, you know. So they opportunities is way different than what mine are. Um, mine had to come from kind of the same thing you do with your son. You know, you you get him in the gym, y'all sit there and grind. You feel me? It ain't even no like no cameras, no cameras or nothing. Right, right. You know how it is. No cameras. You ain't even got no agenda. You like, man, I'm just gonna get him better. We gonna work on the shit he need to work on. So that's how my dad was. Like he did that. You know, he cut hair for everybody in the neighborhood. So he was just a real father figure for everybody. And I tell people in favor, that was my biggest advantage towards everybody else. Like, I had a father, so I got to get – I got instilled with discipline at an early age. You know what I'm saying? 
You. A lot of people miss that, especially young black, <laughs> young black guys. You know what I call it? Hack your sons. You got to start hacking. Your, he was hacking you to death in the driveway. One, tell him. Tell him he was he was yeah, hacking. Yeah. <laughs> Man, bro, bro, you know I'm country, so I got like 35 family members in Fayetteville. They all older. It's like I ain't get nothing. You want to rebound? You got to get on your own. You want to shoot? Get your own rebound. Like, bro, I want nothing given to me. You know what I'm saying I used to get mad. I used to want to fight. I, I, I cry like, and they ain't care. Like, so that just. I started getting tough, you feel me? And, and you know, that developed me into who I am today. So you're on the Some Dude Show right now. You're listening to the Some Dude Show right now with my special guest, Dennis Smith Jr. So did y'all play on the dirt course in Fayetteville? I know we played on the dirt course where I'm from. We had dirt courts. Y'all had a dirt court, so y'all was a little too bougie for dirt courts. Man, I had a dirt court in Godwin. It was grass, <laughs> and we played on it so much it turned to dirt. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. We played on them. <laughs> bro, bro, I'm, bro, I'm from Terra Gardens, so this is – Terra Gardens, you can Google this. Terra Gardens, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Uh, it's way better now, but that's Section 8, bro. So I'm there from birth until I graduate. And we weren't allowed to have goals because they said it started too many fights. Yes, what we used yeah. to do is walk over the wood cliff and we'll, we'll steal goals from that neighborhood and roll them all the way back to our hood, right? We had like 15 feet of concrete. Whenever the office come take them down, we played on the monkey bars, on tree bark, bro. So, that's, <laughs> so let's, rewind, let's rewind what you just said. You said the town... Okay, the town didn't want y'all to have basketballs in the neighborhood because too many fights would start, right? Yeah, our, our neighborhood complex, yeah. So did that inspire you to, you know, once you made it to the league, I feel like, it, you know, you a good guy with good heart like myself. Like, you would have did this if you if you wouldn't have made it to the NBA. But when you made it to the NBA, you came back to the Ville. You, know, you built your own basketball court. Did you build a court in your same neighborhood that you just grew up in or, or was somewhere else? Not in Cherry Gardens is where I played rec ball at was um, Murkison Road. You know Ooh. about Murkison oh, Road. Oh, yeah. Murkison. Yo, yes, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Seabrook veteran. You know what I'm saying? So I built my court right there on the Murk, you know what I'm saying, for the whole community to come out to. And they show love. So y'all have any tournaments at your court in the summer? It's like just open play for the kids or you have like any organized events? It's open play for the most part. I was thinking about doing a tournament this summer. Um, a lot of OGs want me to do something. They always tell me how much they appreciate it. You know, it's dope. Like, they bring their kids out there like like tourists. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's crazy for me to see that because I'm like, damn, bro, y'all wouldn't have been bringing them to Seabrook like back then, not when I was coming up. I'm going to keep it real with you, Dennis. I told Gary Clark this, my boy, uh, my boy Gary Clark from Clayton. I told Gary this. Mm -hmm. You can ask him. I said, yo, bro, you need your own day. Like, what are we doing? Like, you don't even have your jersey retired yet. You you in the league. So it's like, it's crazy. So I say, yo, not only do you need your jersey retired at your high school, like I'm the one that went out here and posted this and everybody was hitting me up. I'm like, y'all didn't know this already? So it shows you the the mindset sometimes where we from. You know what it's like being from North Carolina and being from a rural town sometimes where they, they don't really look at the big picture. So it's like with you, I feel like you need your own day in Fayetteville. Like J. J. Cole, you know, he got the Dreamville concert. But why why don't we have a Dennis Smith Jr. day? I feel like like you in the, you made it to the NBA, bro. Like that's like you said earlier about looking and not having examples. Like you are the example for Fayetteville. Right. I ain't gonna lie to you. I just found out last month that I got a day. They told me that last month and they uh oh. and they, you know, they gave me the key to the city. So it's like shit. I you know I don't post a lot, but yeah, man, they be they be they rock with me out there, bro. They show me a lot of love, bro. They told me it was all over Facebook. I was like, well, shit, happy Dennis Smith Jr. Day. <laughs> so, look, you was traded one time. One time you was traded 
But you weren't just traded like some other guys where you just get traded for a bunch of random names or guys you may not be familiar with. Mm-hmm. Like you had the actual honor of being traded for one of your childhood idols before, Derrick Rose. Like what did it feel right. like to get traded for somebody that you looked up to like that? It was crazy, like, man, because everybody who know me know how much I used to uh, watch D-Rose. Um, so my first game winner in the NBA was over D-Rose and one. And I said, I'm, I always said, I'm going to get that picture framed and just blow it up. And then I get traded for him. So that, it kind of made me feel like, you know, it's not like comparing anything, but shit, you get traded for Derrick Rose, like, you got to be somebody. Yeah, you got to be somebody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you like, on that you, level. Yeah, like when you do a trade straight up like that, like you got to be somebody. So, uh, you know, that that definitely meant something for me. And then my people back home was more excited than I was to see that happen. I saw you training with my guy, man, uh, Dave Alexander down in Miami. You was training with him last offseason. Like, that's my guy, man. Um, Like, I know him Mm -hmm. through Braun and the guys, man. So, like, explain some of your offseason workouts last year with David down in Miami. Because I know he's like one of the, man, that guy's one of the craziest training gurus I ever seen, man. Right, he's sharp, bro. He's sharp, and and me, I'm, I work from a logical standpoint in most things I do. So whenever we working out, I'm asking like, all right, what is this supposed to do right here? Like, what is this supposed to do? He got it. He got an explanation for everything, and I appreciate that. He never feeling like, bro, like, why you asking me this? You know what I'm saying? Like, he can explain everything because everything he does is calculated. And we just work, bro. We get that motherfucking work. Like some days you like you gotta understand rest is a part of training, and so. We'll do something like a cold tub day and things like that. But he's sharp, bro. Who has the mm-hmm. best NC highlight tape of all time? Dennis Smith Jr., Harry Giles, or John Wall? Ooh. I mean, shit. You got to go with John. <laughs> you got to go with John. Man, it's John Wall highlight, his high school highlight tape at Word of God is crazy, bro. It's insane, bro. Yeah. Um, GP, I think I would have had it if I played my senior year, but. Nah, John got it. It's shit crazy. Bro, I saw you play against Word of God. I was at the game that night when y'all played them. It was the year y'all had, it was Quay. Uh, Word of God had Jalen Forns. Remember all them guys? Jalen Forns. Mm-hmm. Uh, shooters. Demetrius, yeah. Troy. Yeah, James Troy. Dickey. Underrated guys, man. Who's some of the underrated guys in the 910 that people don't talk about a lot? Underrated hoopers from the from the Fayetteville area. Underrated Hoopers. Uh, man, I feel like Jatry Smith, JJ, we call him JJ. Everybody knows JJ Smith. I feel like he could have went lead. You know, he's 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, strong, can shoot it, super athletic. You know, with the right circumstances, I feel like he could have went NBA. Um, Malik and Telly was super nice. Man, we had some Hoopers, bro, Like they, and they did their thing in college. But a lot of them was a lot older than me, though. You know what I'm saying now the younger guys get more recognition. You feel me? Yeah, they get a lot more recognition with the Instagram, man. Because Insta- Instagram was kind of like virtually new when y'all was in high school. Well, you, you graduated in what year was that? 2016. I graduated. Yeah, I went a year early, 15. 20. But yeah, it was. Yeah, Instagram was just popping off, man. Because I remember I saw y'all at Chris Paul camp in Winston Salem. It was you, Jalen Robertson. I think Tyus Jones was in that group with y'all. Yep, Tyler, you were the boys. Yes, Tyus Jones. I was at that camp with Chris Paul the whole week just watching y'all. Y'all had no fucking idea who I was, bro. <laughs> like, I was in there watching all y'all. It's crazy now seeing, it, you know, different kids and different guys go to the league now and do what they're doing on a big scale. So you from North Carolina, so this is going to be a real tough question for you, bro. Bojangles, <laughs> Bojangles or Zaxby's? Bojangles, no question. <laughs> 
Hey, I swear to God, before you even ask the question, I was going to say Bojangles. <laughs> Regardless. <laughs> Regardless. Boj- that's a tough question for a lot of North Carolinians, bro. That's a tough question. I, I prefer breakfast. That's why I take Bojangles. Okay, I was going to ask you why. I was going to ask you what's the tipping point to put Bojangles ahead of Zaxby's. It's, it got to be the breakfast biscuits. That's it, bro. That the breakfast, the bowberries, all that, man. The cinnamon biscuits, I got to go with it. I heard they getting, they got, a, they just signed a deal where they they opening up ten. <laughs> they're gonna open ten Bojangles restaurants in New Jersey. They about to take over. Yeah, I swear they is. And I always wonder, like, man, why y'all don't start moving out towards the west? Like, I was in contact when they sent me some socks and seasonings and all that. When I was in Dallas, because <laughs> I'm like, bro, y'all need to be out here. Y'all missing out. <laughs> they missing out, man. They get Bojangles in L.A., all the crime gonna shut down, bro. I'm telling you. They get it in L.A., all the crime shut down. I'm telling you. A one-on-one game. A one-on-one game. Three dribbles max. So you only get three mm-hmm. dribbles. And we're going to say you get the ball from the from the elbow. No, we mm-hmm. say three-point line, three dribbles. Three-point line, three dribbles. C.J. McCollum, Dame Lillard. Ooh. Oh, man. Oh, oh man. That is a tough one. Three dribbles max. Damn, <laughs> boy! Hey, I don't know you. Hey, you are a burning max, so there's gonna be some furniture moving in this month. Well, I can only imagine. It, I can only imagine. Them two, even if even if you throw Ant Simons in there, you can be like, bro, King of Court. That's a hell of a game, bro. Yeah, Anthony Simons, he got the herky jerk. Man, he tough, man. He's cold. So I mean, that's I can't pick who will win out of them. I got I'll, I'll I got another one. I got another one for you. All right. Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. Mm-hmm. Or God Sham God. Oh, I gotta take my mood. <laughs> I don't know, but Sham tough though. Sham still got a handle, bro. He is his. They both in super shape. That's what's crazy. Yeah, bro. They, they, they in great guy, shape. Great shape. Yeah, they both work out hard as hell every day. Like I've seen Sham do it every day. My mood. He work out with me like he'll work me out, but he don't work out twice before then. I'm working <laughs> at nine. I'm getting in at nine a.m. Like. <laughs> so let's take it to the music side. I know you're a big okay. music fan. You're a music fan like me. Mm-hmm. I see you rocking out the different music. So let's go. Moray or Raw Wave? I would, I would have to say Raw Wave just because he got more music out. He got more music out right now. Moray so coming, though. Moray coming. Moray, Moray, nice. He talented. He a real dude, too. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I told you I wanted to get him on here, man. So we're gonna try to link that up. We gotta link that up somehow. I gotta get him on to some dude show. So listen, that's easy. Best NBA reporter in the game right now. Best NBA reporter, sideline reporter right now. Taylor Rooks Uh-oh. or Malika Andrews. I'm going Taylor Rooks. You <laughs> 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 went Taylor Rooks, y'all. I'm going Taylor Rooks. You laugh. It's all you, you got to Yeah, you can't, go you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. You'll get a triple-double every game. You can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what it is. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you, who is your all-time favorite? Who is Dennis Smith Jr.'s all-time favorite in-game dunker? Ooh. That's a good one. All-time favorite in-game dunker. Man, I ain't going to lie, like, it might not sound believable because I'm young, but I got to take Mike, bro. Michael Jordan? I got to go Mike. Just, yeah, you, like, can't, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with Mike. My favorite was Sean Kemp, though. Seattle Sonic Sean Kemp. I like Sean Kemp, too, but nobody's look as good as Mike, bro. You're so graceful. Nobody's look as good as Mike. That's it's crazy. 
It's crazy, bro. So like, Kobe has some sick dunks, too, but it just don't look as good. Like, Brian, the one leg, shit look good. You feel me? look crazy, man. Yeah. But Jordan, he just look like he invented basketball every time I watch him, bro. I have these arguments all the time. Which, you know, which area code is the best in North Carolina as far as hoopers? 910, 919, 336, 704. 252 is underrated. 252 is underrated. underrated. Very underrated. I seen y'all boys down in Wilson when y'all was little kids down at the Rex in the plane. I remember that. Like them boys, oh, yeah. them boys in Wilson can play. So, but give me, give me your nine one zero, nine one zero all time starting five. Oh, they gonna get mad at me on Facebook. <laughs> 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 they gonna hate me on Facebook. Somebody getting left out. Somebody getting left out. Somebody getting left out. I'm gonna go. Me at the point for sure. Um, I'm gonna be all over the place. I'm gonna go at the five. I'm gonna put my cousin Demontre Harris. I don't know if you remember him. He played at uh Florida and South Carolina. Okay. Tree, call him Tree. He uh, I'm gonna put him at the five. Um, at the three, I want to put Kevin Powell there. He's about six six, shooter. He's like like he was Rudy Gay like. Yeah, I heard that name. So yep, Kevin Powell was a monster. Um. At a two and a four, oh, two, Zach Fairclough. He went and played on that Barton, and I remember watching him in high school. He was a problem, a super problem. And at the four spot, I'm going to go with, uh, I might go Joey Baker. I'm going to go Joey Baker. Joey Baker. Right Shout out to Joey Baker. That's my guy, man. Shout out to Joey Baker, man. He went to Duke, yep. had a great career at Duke, man. A lot of people say he wasn't going to do this and do that, but he proved them wrong. Yep. Shout out my youngin', man. Joey Baker. But Dennis, man, I want you to get healthy, bro. Get your mind. I know I know you're gonna stay tight and you're gonna stay in the gym and you're gonna lock in, man. So I appreciate you stopping by the Some Do Show, showing love to the, all the kids listening, to all the young hoopers listening, man. It was it was an honor and a privilege, bro. I appreciate you, bro. I thank you for having me on here for sure. Yeah, man. We gonna we gonna lock in, man. I know we all running around different places, but like I said, you always welcome to come to my spot and work out anytime. Mm-hmm. You ain't got to ask, bro. I give you the passcode, the key. You can come get shots up. You already know what it is, bro. For sure. So I get home Thursday, bro. So we'll lock that in. Yeah, anytime, bro. I'm, I'm one phone call away, man. But I appreciate you stopping by, bro. I really do. My guy, I appreciate it. It ain't nothing I want more. And there you have it. Another episode of the Some Do Show. I want to give a big shout out to my special guest, Dennis Smith Jr. For stopping by. And giving the people that candid conversation. I also want to give a big shout out to all the listeners, man. All the day one listeners, all the truck drivers. You know, all the delivery drivers. Everybody in traffic and rush hour traffic. They stuck in traffic, but they still listening to the Some Dude Show. Shout out to y'all, man. I also got to give a big shout out to all the unfaithful women once again that you might see in traffic in those Nissan Altimas, those Nissan Maximas, and the new unfaithful vehicle of the year, that Audi. Oh, yeah, that Audi, that Q4, that Q5. I see you. Can do is cut the mic on, holler at you.
too. Can't let the fame scare me off from speaking candidly. All them niggas is so cane. They started singing like Danity. Now I'm left here paid like I plan to be damn. A lot of times, those situations are um, are handled way before the time comes. In the summer, I think when you truly prepare yourself and with training and conditioning and things like that, when you cheat yourself, you fail in those moments. You know, you crash. And when you really put the time in, and whether people see it or whether people know it or not, you know, it always comes to light.